So we are, we've been preaching through the book of uh, Habakkuk, Habakkuk, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we've had a debate about that at the church in a, in a sense. We're in the third chapter. It's the second to the last message. I want to start out this morning with the uh, account of, uh, an account from the Gospel of Mark. And you don't need to turn there. Really, I just want you to listen, and I want you to understand a point from this, this account in, in the Gospel of Mark. The disciples and Jesus were on the seashore, and Jesus was teaching, and he was teaching in a powerful way, and uh, as he always did. And he was teaching parables. He was teaching the parable of the sower uh, and the purpose of parables. He explained it. To his disciples when he had them alone and my point is is that the disciples were in a place where they really wanted to be they were with the Lord Jesus I mean where else would you want to be this Jesus who had done miracles already and healings and the way he was teaching this amazing man could he be the Messiah and so they're they're in this great place and then the end of the day comes and the evening had come, and the Lord said, let us go across to the other side. And so uh, they get in a boat. They leave the crowd behind, although a few boats followed them, and these uh, men with the Lord Jesus get into a boat. Uh, it says in the, in the word, leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with them. And then... A great windstorm so these disciples are in a place where they really want to be <laughs> they're seasoned sailors some of them and all of a sudden the wind and the waves kick up is anybody here in the Navy no Navy my dad was in the Navy he was on a destroyer and the greatest fear that he had was in the typhoons in the Pacific the waves were taller than the ships that they were in and it's astounding to be in the middle of an ocean. Well, they were on the Sea of Galilee, not exactly an ocean, but kind of like Lake Michigan. It could really kick up the waves, huge waves. And, and I, in my imagination, and I don't know, the Bible says just winds and wave, but I imagine a storm had come, probably lightning and thunder and, and maybe rain. And, and these men now, they're incredibly afraid. Remember, they're with Jesus place they want to be is it really now a place where I want to be and, and and they're asking the question why why the storm we've had this powerful day with our Lord why the storm uh, what's happening and then they're wondering what's Jesus doing where is he why 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 is he just sleeping in the back of the boat doesn't he care about us and so now somebody decides, well, you know, maybe we should wake him up. I don't know if they had a discussion. Do you want to wake him up? No, I don't want to wake him up. <laughs> uh, and so somebody says, I'm going to wake him up because I'm afraid we're going to die. And so they wake the Lord up. And the Lord says, <laughs> it's pretty astounding. He woke up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. 
all the chaos, all the storm, lightning, thunder, rain, instantly gone. In my imagination, I see a, a sea of glass, as calm as could be, and no wind. Peace, be still. And the Lord says to him, why are you so afraid? And the Bible says in here, and they, after that question, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So this morning, I want to tell you that God will take us from a place that we want to be with Jesus. A lot of us are with Jesus. And sometimes he takes us to a place where we need to be. Jesus is still there, but he takes us to a place that we need to be. And the disciples needed to get to a different place. The question that they kept asking was why? How many of you are why people in here? Just be, yeah. I, Kathy, I'm glad you wrote your hand up. My wife asks, why? Why, God? Why? And they needed to get from a place of why to a place of who. The scripture says, who is this? Who is this? And that's where you and I sometimes need to be. We need to get to that place. We look at the world around us, our nation. Let's be honest. Even in the church, there's chaos, there's continual change. <laughs> and we look around us and we see crises and corruption, <laughs> nation against nation, uh, and even sin abounding in our own country, in our own home. We see nuclear threats. We see the moral fiber of our nation seeming to disappear. And even in the church, it seems like faith is waning and maybe disappearing in some ways. And in all of that chaos and tumult, we, we ask why. Why, Lord? Why am I having to raise my children in this kind of a generation? Why are my grandchildren going to have to face these things that they're facing? And we, we need to get to a different place. And the Lord wants and you, you and I to get to a different place in our personal lives, and in the church, even. He wants us to get to a place where he, the great who, has all of our attention. All of our attention. So are you on that journey this morning? Can you see where you are on that journey? And what place you're at? Uh, still in the why? Moving to the, the who? Well, I trust you are this morning. And that brings us to the the book of Habakkuk. It's going to take me a little while to get to our text, but don't worry, I'll get there and I won't be there for long. But we need to see why, <laughs> the why, of where we're going to get to the who. So that brings us to Habakkuk. And you know, this book could have been written today. Uh, Steve and I were talking about it at the wedding yesterday. Uh, yeah, we talked about other things, I'm sorry. But uh, uh, you know, we said it was scary. Steve said it's scary 
how pertinent that is to today and how relevant that book of Habakkuk is today. And it is. It's kind of scary. It's amazing. But uh, no matter how much time passes, God's word is always relevant. So the name Habakkuk or Habakkuk, which when I was growing up it was Habakkuk, then they turned it into Habakkuk. And you know what? I love words. I love to flip them around. That's just how my brain works. So if you put it backwards, it's Kukaba. It is. Look it up. I mean, spell it out. It's Kukaba. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but words, names. Habakkuk means to wrestle. And surely Habakkuk was wrestling with the Lord. It also means to embrace. He needed to get to a place where he could embrace the who and get away from the whys. And Habakkuk, if you remember, you know, many of you were not here for the messages, so listen to the very short history. Habakkuk had asked the Lord in this book, why did he have to put up with so much violence and sin and destruction and perversion uh, of justice? And where was that? It was in the nation of Judah. It was in God's people. That would be like you and I saying, Lord, why is the church so messed up? Why do I see all this stuff going on in the church with all the people, your people, God? That's the first question that uh, Habakkuk, Habakkuk uh, asks. And, and then uh, the Lord answers him. <laughs> and it was an answer that he didn't want to hear. The Lord answered him by promising that he was going to punish Judah. Well, that's one thing, but he promised that he was going to punish them through the hand of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, a terrible and a violent army and nation who devoured other nations like wolves. What, Lord? You're going to destroy? You're going uh, to punish us, Lord, and discipline us through that group of people? Can you see the relevance to our time? <laughs> You're going to punish us through that nation? Lord, would you do that? And that's what he promised Habakkuk, that he would punish him through the hand, the, the nation, uh, Judah, through the hand of the Babylonians. Godless nation that scoffed at the Lord, and yet he would use them for his purposes. That's God. <laughs> he needed, Habakkuk needed to get to a different place. So where's the first place he went? First place he went is he went to the watchtower. <laughs> before the Lord, a watchtower before the Lord. And if you're in the book of Habakkuk, and I need to get there, uh, and, and you're in chapter 2, and, and I want you to understand uh, what kind of a place was the watchtower. What kind of a place is a watchtower? When I was in Vietnam, our, our unit was part of a base, and we had a certain part of the perimeter and at our base, um, at our perimeter, which was just part of the base, we had four places where you could pull guard duty. We had a command bunker with a 50 caliber machine gun on top of it. We had a smaller bunker that was closer to the ground, and you really only could see just a little bit in front of you through the concertina wire. Then we had a short tower that was about probably 12 feet maybe 15 feet, and from that tower there was an M60 machine gun and a couple of people. 
But then we built a watchtower, and it was built while I was there. It was a metal tower, and it was 30 feet tall. You had to climb straight up 30 feet with all your gear, your weapons on your shoulder, to, to go to the watchtower. Uh, they designed it supposedly, supposedly if it got hit, it would just twist down instead of falling down. Thank the Lord we never tested it. So, uh, but pulling guard duty up there was an interesting place to be. One of the men that I was with was scared of heights, and it took six of us to get him off the tower in the morning because he was so afraid. But what was happening in the watchtower? The watchtower, at least for the military, our purpose was to be on guard, to be looking, uh, to be watching for the enemy, what the enemy would do. So Habakkuk is in a place where he's watching what the Lord is going to do. He's also watching for the Babylonians. Maybe not literally, but this is what he's doing. That's why he's in a watchtower. And uh, it was also a defensive position. When you're up high, it's much easier to defend because you've got a broader scope and a much larger field of fire. And, and so he was in a defensive position. And you know what? One of the main things that we waited for when we were on that tower, we waited for the light of day. We couldn't wait for the sun to come up. We had flares that we could pop every so often so you could see what was going on. But when the sun would come up, deep sigh, nothing had happened, down off the tower, waiting for the light. And I believe that Habakkuk is waiting for the light. He's waiting for the morning. He's waiting for a different day from the Lord. So he put himself, he positioned himself. Listen to, to chapter 2 and verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say, the Lord will say to me, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. <laughs> he's done a good thing. He's positioned himself. He's taken a stand instead of lying down. Let's be honest. When we face the storm, the chaos and the confusion, there are many of us that give up and lower our guard. We let it get to us. We don't take that stand. We don't position ourselves in a good place. We sometimes wallow in our fear and our misery, and we accept defeat. Some of us even depression because of the place that we're in and the confusion and the chaos and what we see around us. It hurts us. We give up the battle. But instead, Habakkuk is looking. He's looking. Important word. He is looking for the presence of the Lord. We need to be looking for the presence of the Lord. He's listening Another important word for what the Lord might have to say. He has positioned himself also to respond to the Lord. He's still talking about, you know, what I, what I will answer concerning my complaint. You know, he's, he's willing to complain to the Lord. He's willing to respond to the Lord. The Lord's pretty big. He can handle our complaints. If you don't position yourself in the Word of God, if you don't position yourself, hear me, in the Word of God, and if we don't listen to the Lord in prayer, this morning the Lord 
reminded me personally, Dave, you need to listen to me for a while. Just shut up a little bit, Dave, and listen to me. We need to position ourselves to listen to the Lord. And if you don't position yourself in the community of God's people, the church, you know, I'm not going to go to church this week. You know, it's just I don't like that, what's going on. And, you know, a preacher, I'm not, he's not one of my favorites. So, you know, I'm, you know what? If you do not position yourself in the body, God's people with the church, how in the world can we ever expect to get to know the Lord? How can we expect to see him or hear from him? Thank you for being here this morning. I hope you do hear from the Lord. So what place are you in? What do you fill your mind with, fill your heart with? You know, this is a message, a relevant message that we need even today. We need to get closer to our text for this morning. So Habakkuk positions himself, but he also practices faithfulness. And that's the crux of the message from the book of Habakkuk. Uh, verse 4, and this is a contrast. You need to understand this. Uh, it, it's a contrast. Here, here's what it says. It says, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about the Babylonians. This is God saying, I'm going to use the Babylonians to, to punish you. And he says the, the Babylonians, they're not upright and then he makes a contrast, but my righteous, the righteous, will live by faith. So God's people, you know, we're not righteous in and of ourselves when we express our faith. And didn't those young people express their faith well this morning? Didn't they? They did a marvelous job of expressing their faith, simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we express that faith in the Lord, he declares us righteous. And so he says his righteous people will live by faith. In other words, they will trust the Lord. And that's the crux of the book of Habakkuk. And, uh, and, and the whole book is bound up in this statement. So now that uh, Habakkuk has positioned himself and he's practicing faithfulness, uh, what's the next thing? the next position that he needs to take with the Lord. Uh, he gets a word from the Lord. That's the next thing, point number two. And if you look at verse 14, you'll see where I'm going. It's interesting to me that in the middle of what the Lord is saying, he's saying, woe to the Babylonians, I'm going to do this. Woe, I'm going to do this. Woe, I'm going to do that. Woe, I'm going to do that. And it's horrible, but in the midst of that, He's got uh, something to say to Habakkuk. It's very interesting that uh, he has a special word for him. Have you ever noticed when you're in a difficult place, those of you that are with the Lord, have you ever noticed that the Lord will give you a special word? You know, I, I'm reading through the book of Psalms um, right now for the summer. I'm reading the Old Testament this year, just the Old Testament. So I'm in the book of Psalms, and I'm, I have a different Bible that I read in the morning when I'm with the Lord, I'm positioned, so to speak. And I ran across these words. And these words were from Psalm 94 and verse 18, and this is what it said. It said, when I said my foot is slipping, you ever feel like your feet are slipping? You're not getting traction. 
You're not getting anywhere. It says, when, my, when I said my foot is slipping, your love, your love, O Lord, supported me. But then it went on, and this is where it hit me, when anxiety was great within me. If you're honest, you're, you're going to know that you have anxieties in your life and worries. And sometimes they're great within us. When anxiety was great within me, your, the Lord, your consolation brought joy to my soul. There's a date that I wrote next to that because the Lord spoke that to me that day. It was uh, August 16, 2013. I have no idea what was going on, but I just know that the Lord spoke to me that day, that particular verse. We need to position ourselves and the Lord will have a special word from, for us. <laughs> and uh, here's what it says in 2.14. Listen to what the Lord says. In the middle of all raining down all these woes on Babylonia, he says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. <laughs> you know what that word is? That's a word of peace, be still. It's a word of calm in the midst of chaos. And God gave me that word, and he'll give you a word if you position yourself to hear from him. It's a word picture of peace. It's a prophetic word. It's something that we can hold on to. This Bible is full of what the Lord says will happen so that he builds our faith and he builds our confidence in him. Uh, he says there will be people filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. You know, there's a day coming, a better day. <laughs> uh, the Lord says, I go to prepare a place for you. <laughs> the Lord tells us about the new Jerusalem in the book of Revelation. The Lord says he'll wipe away all of our tears. Over and over again, the, the Lord gives us a word in the middle of chaos and confusion. And he also says that word is, is going to permeate the whole earth. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess at some point that Jesus is Lord. That's the hope that we have. That's the confidence. That's the faith that we have. That's the place we want to be. That's where we can be when we listen to the Lord. It's like no other place. He gets to the, really the final place before he does something. This final place is what I call wait on the Lord. And you know what, people, let's be honest, in the church, when the pastor says wait, you really just kind of want to shut it off. How many times have you heard a pastor say or a person say wait on the Lord? You know, I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to say it. I'm tired of waiting. Are you, some of you tired of waiting? You've been praying for a long time to see God do something. And we chaff at that word wait. But I think we misunderstand the word wait. At least I know do. I do. So, but I want you to listen to where the place is that the Lord wants Habakkuk to be, and he wants you and I to be. This is a special place. It's an amazing place, and it's where he is right before he gets to our, our passage for today. And the Lord reveals it in verse 20 of chapter 2. Simple verse, but listen to this. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. That's a special place. The Lord is in his holy temple. 
That's where he's always been. That doesn't mean he's locked up. He's in the place that he's always been. He's immovable. He's the same God. He's a rock, our Lord. <laughs> what a great place to be. And when we see him, let all the earth keep silence before him. The presence of the Lord. He's immovable. He will never, 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 and that's what it says in the Hebrew, leave us. He will never, never, never forsake his people. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. That's our Lord. In the midst of the storms of life. And then he says, let all the earth keep silence before him. And what I see in that is peace, be still. Just like Jesus said to his disciples in the middle of their chaos, peace, be still. And there was a great calm. So when we get to this place where you and I need to get to, uh, it's a place where be still and know that he is God. Great verse from the scripture. You remember the Lord Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I think the Lord meant that. He meant for us to rest. Some of you I know carry burdens all the time. And I prayed for somebody today that they would be able to let the Lord help them carry their burdens. He didn't design these burdens for us to carry. He said we're to share the yoke with him, and our burden would be light because he would carry our burden for us. So peace I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. This place of silence, you know, think of Job. Everything that Job went through. And all the conversation, how many of you read, have read through the book of Job? Come on, well, I want to see your hands. If you haven't read, you need to. It's an amazing, amazing book, what happens. And, and you know, his friends come to console him. They're not very good consolers. And they tell him why God's doing all these things to him. And back and forth and on and on and on they go in their discussion. And finally they get to a place where they all have to shut up and listen. That's where Job had to get to. Be still. A place of silence. And then God talked about himself. They still didn't understand necessarily why everything had happened, but they trusted in God when he revealed himself to them. It's a place we need to be before we can do the final step of this message. And you know, this waiting is not lying down. It's not giving up. That's how we view waiting. I'm just going to go sit in a corner. That's not what this waiting is. This is a proactive waiting. That's faith, where we know that God will come through. And I am waiting to see his hand and to see his presence and to hear from the Lord. That's a proactive waiting. It's faith. Habakkuk is in a place like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in. You guys remember that story some of you. <laughs> so Nebuchadnezzar said to them, you know, they, he was going to throw them into the fiery furnace, and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar says to them, uh, can your God deliver you from that fiery furnace? And this is what they answer because of the place that they're in. 
They say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we really have no need to answer you in this matter. We don't even have to answer, but we will. It says, if this be so, in other words, if you're going to throw us into this fire, our God, whom, the great who, we serve is able to deliver us out of your hand, O king, small k. But if not, be it known to you, O king, small k, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They were in a place of trust, peace, calm, right before they were going to get thrown into the fire. That's the place that Habakkuk had to get to and where we need to get to. It's uh, a posture, this place. It's a posture of humility in the presence of the Lord. It's a powerful place to be in the presence of the Lord because of the Almighty. It moves us from the why to the who, and it puts us in a place that prepares us to worship the Lord. Have you ever been in a place where all you could do is drop to your knees. You hear something, a piece of news, and all you could do was drop to your knees. It's happened to me a couple times. Yesterday we heard a, an account from Eric. His daughter got married yesterday. Praise the Lord, wonderful occasion. But Eric got up and Eric's not a speaker, but he spoke with a lot of power yesterday because of what God had done. He got to a place in his life where his, his daughter was born and his wife died just a very, very, very short time after that. And as he was overwhelmed with having a, a baby of his own and not having a wife, he was overwhelmed. And he got to a place where all he could do was drop on his knees and say, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And when he got into that place, and you know, I don't know why God put you there. I can't guess. I can't say that you needed to be there, but he put you there. He allowed you to get there, and then God answered in magnificent ways, and he told the story of the people that helped, the family that helped, uh, the wife that God gave him. And so that's the position that we often have to get to before the Lord will show himself really mighty for us. It's a great, great testimony. Thank you for that. It's, it's like a stepping stone. It's a place that prepares us to worship the Lord. And, and, and Habakkuk is in this stepping stone. He's at this altar preparing to worship. He's relented. He's finally said, I give up, Lord. You're going to punish, punish Judah. You're going to use those Babylonians. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I give up. No more philosophy, no more theology. Boy, some of our preachers, myself, could hear that. No more arguing. Let's just get to this place where we're in the presence of the Lord, resting in the presence are you this morning able to rest in the presence of the Lord? Habakkuk took his eyes off of Judah, his own people, his own culture, took his eyes off of Babylon, the threat that was coming from the outside, and off all the circumstances. And then he got to where 
the place of our messages, and I told you I won't be here long. He got to the position where he could worship the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Through all the chaos and confusion, you come to a place where you be silent and decide, all I can do is worship the Lord. Listen to verses 1 and 2 of the third chapter of Habakkuk. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigianoth, O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. This prayer says it's a prayer according to Shigianoth. And what does that mean? It means that it's a song. That's a musical term. It's like a crescendo. You know, he's come through to this place. It was a process and progression. And it's a crescendo when he gets to this place of, of worshiping the Lord that he's arrived. It's the place of faith and resting and trusting in the Lord. And, and Shigianoth, according to what people know about it, it's a full of strong emotions and tensions. You know, uh, music in minor chords, I'm not a musician, but those that are, music in the minor chords expresses a lot of tension. And they think that that was the kind of music that this was, a lot of emotion. Uh, it, 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 it reflected the strife and the chaos that Judah had been through. And so that's where Habakkuk is when he writes this. It's kind of like an aria, like from uh, the scripture that's sung in the Messiah. And you know, God's people, it says at the end of this, this chapter, we're not going that far, that God's people sang this together with the choir and the string instruments. Can you imagine going through their history and then just singing this to the Lord, singing this worship, and singing the tension and the chaos and, and the presence of the Lord and his power and might? So that's the picture that we have when we get here. But it's a prayer, and it's a prayer a prayer, a song of hearing, and a song of fearing. So he says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. <laughs> so he heard what God's going to do to Judah. He heard about the future destruction from Babylon, and it causes him to fear. He's honest with God. He expresses that to the Lord. And you know what? If we understand this God and his power and his might, we will fear that God in the right kind of way because he's an awesome God. And if there's somebody we can compare ourselves into this account, it's tempting to say we're like Judah, maybe the church is, but our nation is way more like Babylon. And that strikes fear into my heart. This is a nation that needs the presence of the Lord. It ought to drive us to our knees in worship of our mighty God. And notice that the first part of the prayer is, O Lord, O Lord, it's directed to the Lord. So who is the Lord? And as I've already said, and it bears repeating, how can you know the Lord if you're not positioned with him daily listening to him and feeding on his word, worshiping with his people? If you know the Lord, if you really know the Lord and understand him, uh, you know that he's holy and fearful, but do you know what? He welcomes his children. He wants our relationship. He welcomes us to come boldly to him, to the throne room. 
He wants us to bring our messy lives, our messy prayers to him. He can handle that. And you know what? You might be thinking, well, God, I can hear you, but I don't understand you. Well, you're in good company. He's unfathomable, <laughs> but he's God. He's good. He loves us. Pray in light of what you do know. You know, if you know the scriptures, you can pray in light of the scriptures. Oh, Lord, I remember where you said this, that you would do this. We're praying for somebody. The Lord says he puts the lonely in families. Somebody that we really love, we're praying, God, put the lonely in families. Because we know the word of God, we've positioned. We want to hear from the Lord. And look back in your own life. Read the history of God in the word, but look back in your own life and see what God has done. Uh, somebody was asking, uh, Bill was asking one of the young people, Are you a do you journal this morning? A and you should journal and write down what God has done because we want to pass this on to the next generation. God has done great, great things. Now I want you to remember this part is a song of worship. So now you're going you're gonna to worship the Lord with me just for a minute. So, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. One more time, choir, that sounded so good. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus, his Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done. So not only is it a song of hearing and fearing, but it's a song of pleading. He pleads with the Lord, Habakkuk. He's pleading for the Lord's might and the Lord's mercy. He says in the text, in the midst of the years, he's talking about these years that we're facing now, Lord, where you said you're going to punish Judah with the Babylonians. In the midst of those years, Lord, we need to see your work. He says, revive it. Revive your work. Revive it, Lord. In the midst of the chaos of our time, we need a fresh manifestation of God's might and work in our day. That's a prayer for us today. God, I want a fresh manifestation of what you're doing, Lord, in this world. Show it to me, please, in light of all the chaos and confusion. And then he prays, Habakkuk prays in the midst of the years, make it known. Make your work known. He's saying, spread your fame over all the earth. I thought it was precious this morning 
when the children that were being baptized talked about spreading God's fame to other people. Did you catch that? That was beautiful. I thought, thank you, Lord. It's going on to the next generation. So here's the deal. He's saying in the midst of the, the years, make it known. You know what? That's like saying, Lord, use me to make it known. You know what? A lot of us feel like, you know, use Dave, Pastor Dave and Pastor Phil to make it known or use a missionary to make it known. We, God's people, are to make it known every day in our own lives. We're to herald the work of God. <laughs> People need to see the work of God in our lives, wherever you work, whatever you do. It's not just for other people. So are you willing to pray that, you know? Spread your form for fame, Lord. Uh, use me to be a herald, to be a messenger, to be the answer to this prayer. And then he says, in wrath, remember mercy. Wow. That's pretty powerful. In wrath, remember mercy. When I think about that, I think he's asking for mercy, not just for Judah. He's asking for mercy for Babylon. How powerful is that? Babylon, the enemy. We need a full measure of God's pardon. We need a full measure of God's mercy. In our culture, with all the hatred and violence that we see right in our own country, towards those who think differently than the other person, just think about the news. Think about where we're at. I don't have to explain that. Try asking God to help us show mercy instead of violence. <laughs> In this world of ISIS, world of communism, radicalism, fascism, alt-right, alt-left, all these terms that we hear, <laughs> would you be willing, would you ask for mercy for these people that God loves? He loves. You know, the youth group's going through Jonah. Jonah didn't want to preach God's message of grace because he hated the Ninevites. So he preached an eight-word message, and God changed all those people, much to his you know, dismay. But that's how we are sometimes. We need to be willing to show mercy and pray for mercy for those people that we don't care for necessarily, we don't agree with. That's where we need to be. We need to ask for that mercy. God loves the whole world. Remember the simple verse this morning? For God so loved the world. That's real. God loves the whole world. We were down at Danville Prison. There's a great chaplain down there. His name is Chaplain Chris. And we were at his house. He invited us there for dinner. And this was right when the North Korea stuff was starting to happen, uh, the, the recent North Korea stuff. And he said, uh, you know, if I was the president, I would send North Korea all the food that they need. And I looked at him, you know, and the, all the rest of us looked at him. He said, well, I think that's what God would do. I think he'd send them all the food that they need. And then I'd send mentors and teachers over there to show them how to, how to you know, do this and how to do that. 
And, and I thought about it, and I thought, you know, that's, that's really a powerful outlook. Now, you could say, no, you're crazy. And I'm an ex-military guy, so I understand. You know, we're dealing with people that don't seem to have, you know, all their senses. I get that. But, you know, violence begets violence. It really does. And in this world, we need to think in terms of God's terms. God is mighty, but he shows mercy. He's shown mercy in your life and my life, and I don't deserve it, I can tell you that, but God has shown mercy. So I love the fact that he's praying for God to show mercy in the midst of what he's doing. We need a full measure of God's pardon and mercy. So would you be willing to ask for mercy for the world, for the people that God loves? And would you be willing to show mercy to them? You know what? The Lord desires a people, a remnant from every nation, every tribe and nation, even those that we consider enemies. Someday you'll be in heaven with a former ISIS guy that came to know the Lord. I'll be in heaven with a former Viet Cong that came to know the Lord. And, and God loves all people, and he's a merciful God. So the question, I think, is will you allow the Lord to position you? Will you allow the Lord to get you to this place that you need to be where you can just worship him and be silent before him and hear him and be peace and calm? A place where we're away from the why all the time, getting to the who, the who of who God is.